Well, we're moving into this new year. I'd accidentally, we got one of those little calendars with blocks on them. You know what I mean, where you flip the block around and get the date. Well, yesterday at our house, it was January 27th. And I looked and said, where did the month go? And I said, oh, we put a two there instead of a zero. So, uh, but the, we've made it a, a week through this first uh, new year. And it's just, New Year's are just a wonderful time for reflection and for anticipation and for hope and for all those things. And I also want to remind you, they're a wonderful time to put the past in the past. They're a wonderful time. You may say, last year was awful. I was awful. Everything was awful. Well, it's a new year. And so I want to encourage you. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, man, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to know him. Because guess what? His mercies are new every morning. Not just every January 1st. His mercies are new every morning. And so I don't want you to live life looking through the rearview mirror. It's a dangerous way to drive through life. You know, but put the past in the past and look forward. And you can learn from the mistakes you make. And you can remember those things in your past that actually cause you to celebrate and increase your faith. Just like, remember David said, I killed the bear, I killed the lion. You can remember those victories and help you have uh, additional victories. Well, in this new year, I think there's, there's three little words that pack tremendous power that we need to say more often to those around us. Darlene and I were reflecting on all the blessings that we have. So we were going through all these different things, you know, family and, and home and car and, you know, f- friendship and all those things. And so I just looked down and I said, honey, I said, I just want to tell you, you are a blessed woman. I said, I'm telling you, if I do say so myself, you've got a great husband, you know, <laughs> you've got a wonderful life, wonderful children. You know, we've had an opportunity to travel. We've had an opportunity to enjoy some meals out and dates and just, you know, home and just all the goodness of life. And so I thought to her, and I looked at her, I said, this is time for me to say those three very precious words to you as I reflect on all the blessings you walk in every day. You are welcome. <laughs> and so I just uh, wanted you to know that. And, and it was interesting because when I told her that, she was so dumbfounded, she didn't even know what to say. She just left the room. She's continued to be so dumbfounded. We haven't spoken for three days uh, since I said that. So. <laughs> Men, just want you to know, those are not the three words to say. Okay, I've learned a few more things. That really did not happen. Those are not the things to say. Uh, but maybe I love you would be a good thing for us to say more in this new year. So we look at this new year. And last week we talked about favor and how God has given us favor. There's, um, it's really cool when you think about this. God speaks to Isaiah, this prophet, gives him, God tells him about a future day that's coming. And so he writes this verse out that's just in limbo, it's just dormant, just hovering out there for 700 years. It's just in stasis there. And then one day, King Jesus walks into the synagogue. We looked at this last week. I think it's uh, like Luke 4, 19. And he says, Give me the scroll to Isaiah. He painstakingly gets to this very specific spot, and he's going to read the 700-year-old prophecy. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to, and then he lists, I think it's five things, and the last thing, I think it's Luke 4, 19, the last thing he says is, he's anointed me to declare 
to release the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Now, you could say, well, maybe he just meant that 12 months. Because, you know, there, such thing as a year is 12 months. Maybe he just meant that year. But if you study out the scripture, you'll find out that that is not the case. It was, it was a launching. All those things that he mentioned that he's anointed to do are still operating in our lives and in the world and in Christianity today. Amen. Still operating today. So it was the launching of it. And when he was done, he sat down. He said, today... Those verses have been fulfilled in your midst. Jesus launched the year of the Lord's favor. So I want to encourage us to walk in God's favor. We have the right to walk in God's favor. But I also want to tell you that there are natural things we are supposed to learn to do as believers that help create an environment of favor in our lives as well. And by the way, there's so many things embedded in the world and in the system and in how life works that God has embedded you don't even have to believe in God, and you can get certain amounts of favor by just following his principles. You know, there, somewhere there's a multimillionaire atheist farmer who's waking up today who thinks we're crazy, and, and why would we waste our time, energy, talent, and money to come to a church service? He thinks God doesn't even exist. And you look and say, well, how is he walking so much favor and so much wealth? Because he took the principles that God implanted into the world, and he put them into practice, and they have a reward. By the way, there's a beautiful thing about our God. Everybody thinks he's mean if they don't really know him. But he's, he loves and is faithful and good to the just and the unjust, and to the righteous and to the wicked. Isn't that interesting? Our God pours out favor. You know, it's not just Christian farmers who get a crop, but any farmer can get a crop because God's kind. And so... It should be more likely that we Christians should develop attributes and attitudes and actions that we would live out as we yield our lives to the lordship of Jesus, that we would live out that produces favor. But every environment around you has a, a system to it, whether it's your home, your workplace, uh, the church world, uh, school, your neighborhood, if you're on a sporting team, whatever. There's always an environment. And providing that the people who are in that environment are halfway normal, sane people, then God's principles will really make an impact. And so God teaches us ways to live. So I'll just use the workplace, for instance. So you can apply this to anything. Maybe you're here and you're 15 years old and you say, I don't have a job yet or whatever. That's fine. You can apply this to home or school or whatever. But just think about this. If you showed up every day with uh, a team spirit, with a good attitude and a pleasant demeanor, if you showed up on time every time, did a pretty decent day's work every day, you said, hey, I'm here for eight hours, so I might as well do what I do well and be a blessing to my boss and to my coworkers, to myself, to my clients, and you start living like that, you will curry favor from the people around you just by the way you are behaving, by how you're doing life. And again, I think it should be more likely that we believers should behave that way because those are principles that Jesus teaches us to live in and to walk in. And so if we start living in and walking in these principles, there's favor that goes with that. So I don't want you to overlook the power of a great attitude, of, of kind words, of cooperation, of a right spirit, of, of uh, being a team player, about working hard. All those things are things that God created to bless our lives and the lives of those around us and create favor. And it's so important that we focus on our spiritual lives. So as we go into this new year, 
as I do every new year, I want us to focus on our spiritual lives because we're all setting goals and have dreams and this and that, and I'm for that. I have no problem with that. I just want to make sure we don't lay aside our spiritual side, that our spiritual side is strong and healthy. And so we find this verse in, in Proverbs. Um, I don't know if I made an overhead for that. Did I Proverbs? I think it's Proverbs 4, Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else... Think about those three words, above all else. You know, kind of like, you are welcome. Okay, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Now, the Bible speaks of the heart. He's not talking about the muscle in your chest that pumps blood. He's talking about your spirit. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your spiritual life because everything you do flows from it. I think the King James says this, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So our hearts, our spirit person, somebody wisely said one time, we are not human beings having spiritual experiences, we are spiritual beings having human experiences. And so all of us have had loved ones, friends, family that have gone on to be with the Lord, and we realize that when their physical life ended, if, it, if we were physical beings having spiritual experiences, it would all be done then. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, that when we lay aside this earthly tent, this earthly body, we get swallowed up by the life of God. Wow, that's good news. And so our spiritual lives don't end when our human life ends. Because we're eternal beings, uh, spirit beings, and so we guard our spirit, man, with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And so we're going to be reminded about some things today, and there's some things that we get reminded of that... Um, there's two ways to be reminded in the Bible, and they're both, they're both seen there. One is kind of a correction, like, hey, you know, knucklehead, you should have this down by now, and you don't. Why am I having to tell you this over and over and over and over again? So the first one we see is Paul, a guy who wrote a big bunch of the New Testament. He, he's talking to these Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. He's talking to, to the Corinthians, and he's saying, guys, you know, I'm bottle feeding you again. I'm giving you milk. He said, by now you ought to be able to take solid food, but I'm still having to give you milk. And he said, the reason I have to give you milk is because you're carnal or worldly. Now I want that to sink in, carnal or worldly. And he's, so he names a few things, but I think we could lengthen the list and not violate scripture. He says, and why am I still feeding you milk? And why do I consider you still worldly? Because there's quarreling among you. There's divisions. There's backbiting. We could throw other things in there, I'm sure. Like, like there's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's, there's bad attitudes. You know, all these things. And said, so when I look at your life, I see I still had to feed you milk. Now, make this clear. Are they Christians? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He addresses this church as Christians. And he said, but you're still worldly, and I say that because you're doing life like the world does life, not like Christ does life. And so we're always being challenged to quit doing things like the world and start doing things like the Lord. And so he's challenging them. And so we get challenged by that too, and this is something I thought of years ago, and it helps challenge me, and so I pass it along to you. There are so many things that we ought to be developing as Christians, and sometimes we're Christians for a year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, and we think, well, how dare you say I'm worldly? I've been a Christian for 25 years. I say this respectfully. That does not matter at all. 
You could have been a believer for 25 years. What matters is how much of the Word of God have you put into practice in your life in the last 25 years being a Christian. That's what develops your spirituality. You can be carnal and have known Jesus for 50 years. And are you still saved and going to heaven? Absolutely. But, but you'll still have to be bottle-fed because you haven't matured. And so there is a... I thought of this one time because I see my life, your life, our lives, how Christians behave, and sometimes I think... I just picture the Holy Spirit wants to say, is that all you got? I mean, you've been saved for 10 years, and somebody at work was snarky to you, and you've been plotting their demise for three weeks. You know, I'll get them, and I know this, and all that. And, and, and I just picture the Holy Spirit wants to say, seriously, that's all you got? I mean, I told you, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you, and somebody was rude to you, and you can't get it out of your head. That's it? You haven't learned to control your thought life? Is that all you got? And so if you find yourself starting to behave in a way that's not in Christ-like because some little thing happened, I mean, I tell you what, you'll find out how spiritual you are if you get cut off in traffic. I'm telling you, you find out immediately how spiritual you are. Okay, then just say to yourself if you go, I'm going to, hold it. Is that all you got? Might as well just say a prayer for him and go on. Because your wrath does not do anything that is good, so you might as well just grow up. We look at Hebrews. In Hebrews 5, it tells us that the writer of Hebrews, which is unknown for sure, the writer of Hebrews says pretty much what Paul said there. He said, guys, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You know what he's saying? By this time, you all ought to be helping me. You ought to be helping me, but you're not helping me. I have to teach you the elementary things of God all over again and all over again and all over again. You're not able to take solid food. You're not able to take meat. Why? Because we haven't grown up. And so we get corrected a few times in Scripture when we're reminded of something because it's correction. You should know this by now, and you're not walking in it. And it's important that we learn to grow up. Many, many years ago, and if I told you the people's names, there probably wouldn't be two people here who even need, knew them, so don't be wondering, wonder who's talking about. Just get that off your head, okay? Grow up. <laughs> get that off your head. And there was a couple of people here, and they'd been in church and been used in church and, you know, been leaders in churches, and they came here and, and uh, felt like this is where God wanted them, and made a declaration even one day that, man, you know, we're with you guys. This is our place, through thick and thin, good or bad, life or death. And like six weeks later, I'm talking to him. I, I remember it very well because it's right over here after service. I stand right here, and I was talking to him. The guy came up to me. By the way, he had a very adult, mature conversation, but the topic was interesting. The person said, you know what? I used to get used more and, and you know, this and that, and I'm not getting used like I want to get used here. And I think about going somewhere else. And I said, well, just a few weeks ago, you said God called you here. For life and death. So my question is, was that the Lord? Uh, you know, one of those things, because no one wants to say, I told everybody I heard from the Lord, but now I'm saying I didn't hear from the Lord, or I'm disobeying the Lord, one of the two, so it's an awkward question. And he said, one other thing too, said, there was a ladies meeting a couple weeks ago, and Darling did not call my wife and invite, invite her to the meeting. I said, I, I'm sorry, but she didn't call anybody and invite them to the meeting. We had a women's meeting, and back then we had a bulletin. It was in the bulletin. It was on the overhead. It was mentioned in front of things. She didn't call anybody. And, and I told him this on this topic. Where I said, you ought to be helping in ministry, 
not hindering the ministry. You guys are way too far along that we got to babysit you. Like, oh, I wonder, if, Darlene, did you call so-and-so, and did you do this and that? No. Now, I get it if you're a brand-new believer. I get it. You say, I'm three weeks old in the Lord. I get it. We're growing. You know, there's, do you realize you have compensation for a baby that's different than con- compensation for a toddler, which is different than compensation for a six-year-old, which is different from compensation my son here, 35, he, he gets treated different than he did when he was a, a toddler, you know, so that we, we change how we deal with people. But if you've been a believer for a while, here's the challenge of God. Get involved helping the cause. Get involved advancing the kingdom. Get involved. Don't drag the kingdom down. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. We should be getting more done for the kingdom. But I'm spending all the time reteaching you the elementary teachings of God again. And so we want to move forward. Now, those are the negative kinds of reminders, but there's a positive reminder. Peter has it. Second Peter chapter 1, powerful teaching in those first opening 11 verses. And then Peter says this, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. Did you hear that? I'm, ready, I'm, I'm about to remind you of something that you already know. And he said, and you know it well. You have been established in this truth I'm about to teach. You're established in the truth which is present with you. In other words, you're living it out and acting it out. And he says in verse 13, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. To stir you up by way of reminder. So I want to stir you up today in a good way by way of reminder. And so we need to be reminded. And by the way, have you ever had something, maybe you're the best, maybe you have the best prayer life of anyone in this church. And a teaching on prayer comes, and usually somebody will get reminded. They'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I made prayer a priority in my life. That's why they find themselves getting stirred up because they're being reminded of this beautiful thing called prayer. And so we're getting reminded here. We're going to be reminded by Jesus about some things. And so our topic today, spiritual focus. See, as we spiritually focus, we'll grow up. We'll, we'll mature in the things of God. And our lives will be transformed. And the lives of those around us will be transformed. And so spiritual focus. Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking. 31 through 33. I probably go to this verse, these verses every New Year. So I want to stir you up by way of reminder. Jesus is speaking. So do not what? Worry. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Don't don't miss that line. The heavenly Father knows that you need them. Most people read this and hear it say, "Uh, how dare you worry about those things, shame on you for even wanting those things. It doesn't say that, it says your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But then verse 33 is an alternative to that way of doing life. It said the pagans. Now, pagans are unbelievers, uh, those without faith, non-Christians is how we would say it. They're full of worry and anxiety and stress, and they're pushing, they're struggling, they're trying to get and grasp and gain and go forward and do all those things. And God says there's an alternative to stress and strain and worry and anxiety. And here's the alternative. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now again, I want us to be clear what this says. 
It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And it does not say, for the things of this world have no meaning at all, so don't worry about it. It doesn't say that. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Now, if we keep it in context, what things? The things the pagans are running after. All these things will be given to you as well. So, God's trying to teach us something here. There's several things. First of all, you don't have to be, have a life full of anxiety, worry, and fear. You can seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Another thing that he's telling us is he knows what we need, and he's not against you having these things. There's these kind of basic things of life, and I think most of us here have those things, and, and God's blessed us with those things. Now, I don't know that if you have a private yacht in the northern hemisphere that you should say, boy, I think maybe... I think the Lord really wants me to have a private yacht in the southern hemisphere, okay? And, well, the Bible says God knows the things I need. I'm not sure that you need that. By the way, I'm not opposed to you having that. I don't care if you have two yachts. I'll show you how much I don't care. I will take a week on that yacht and, and just show you that I'm not opposed to you having that yacht or preaching against it. So just want you to know that. So God's not against it. And the other thing I think we don't, hear correctly in these verses, is it doesn't say seek only his kingdom and his righteousness. It says seek first. Because there's a lot of things in life I don't think is wrong to seek after. Maybe, maybe if you hear these verses wrongly, you'll think, man, I was going to go back to school and further my education, but, but I'm not supposed to seek that. It doesn't say that. It just says don't seek first. Now, if you came to me and said, hey, you're not going to see me for two years because I'm going to give all my time, all my energy, all my money, all my effort, I'm going to give it to going to school, I'd say that's out of balance that you want to seek first the kingdom of God and put those things into your life. And so we got lots of things we can seek after. Just Jesus, his kingdom, his righteousness needs to be first. This is, this is a spiritual focus we're on a brand new year. This is, we're, what, eight days into it, so it's a good time to start practicing these habits of seeking first the kingdom of God. And God doesn't mind you having stuff. You, you've all heard the saying. It really is true. It's a good little saying. He doesn't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. And, when, and you'll know, I'm serious about this, you'll know if stuff has you or not because the Holy Spirit may give you a little test. He may say, give that away. <gasps> give that away? Well, does it have you? If it doesn't have you, you'll give it away. Proverbs says that when you've you got to hold something loosely and he who freely gives, freely receives. And so it's with an open hand that we hold everything because we all believe everything we have, including our next breath, comes from God. So, let's seek first. You say, well, I, I, I think I need a bigger home for my family. That's okay. Just don't let that eclipse seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Well, I think I would like to have a car that wasn't held together with duct tape and bailing twine. Uh, so I could be, and, and man, unless you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, haven't every one of us driven that vehicle, you know, that's held together by duct tape and, and bailing twine? But weren't we also thankful when we went, I feel confident I'll make it all the way to work today, you know, in one try. So, praise God. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you want to get healthy this year. Maybe you want to save up enough money for retirement or to pay off a loan or whatever. There's all kinds of things we can seek after. I think we should pray about them, see what the priority is to God. But we always put him and his kingdom and his righteousness first. Because when we do that, this is just the way I perceive this. You can do with it what you want. Here's how I feel this verse is saying, and so many things in Scripture is, is saying, is, hey, guys, you can make all those things a priority, and you can put them first on your list, and if you want to do that, I'll back away and let you do the best you can with it. 
Or if you want to put me first and my kingdom, I realize that takes some energy. And so I'll make sure all those other things are taken care of. And I would rather have God working on my to-do list more than just me working on the to-do list. And so there's something about getting God engaged. Even when he says things like, man, if you give to the poor, they can't repay you, so I will. Every one of us should have part of our financial strategy, and I'm not joking about this, part of our financial strategy should be to give to the poor and needy. First of all, Jesus taught that, the early church taught that, Paul taught that, the disciples said, I'm eager to do that, so get helping out the poor and needy, because it's an investment where God says, you know what, they can't help you, but I will. I really like when God helps us. It's really better than how anyone else can help us. So just don't seek first those things. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So we're going to say, how do you do that? How do you make that happen? Well, here's some application points for us. First of all, I don't want to skip this. You must be born again. We, we live in a world, and it has advantages and disadvantages, but I think for the church we can, we can make it have advantages. Often people are very spiritual, but not very Christ-like or Christ-centered or Jesus-focused or Christians. That's a real trend that people are, are spiritual. But you can't say, hey, I, it's good enough, I'm a good person, I do what's right. I, I, even, even if you go to church and study your Bible and all that, you can't skip being born again. The phrase came where Jesus was talking to a very devout Jewish man who was a good man, who loved God, was well-trained in the scriptures, and was a Jewish leader. His name was Nicodemus. And he tells Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. All of his pedigree, all of his good deeds, all of his works, everything, was not enough to earn him heaven. And so Nicodemus asked a very intelligent question. How can I enter again into my mother's womb? He said, no, what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. And so your spiritual being needs born again, needs a rebirth, and that comes through Jesus. So don't try to figure out a way to skirt around being born again. Just give your life to Jesus. And man, I don't care. We, we've tried to fashion into specific prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer, this or that. I just, I truly believe on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a message and those devout Jewish men from all over the world just said, I believe that. I believe that's what happened. Because don't, you, you don't, will not see where Peter said, now let's all bow our head and repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me a sinner. Lord Jesus, do this. I believe that. No, they just believed that gospel message. And so I'm not hung up on how you said the prayer. I'm just saying, did your heart yield itself to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm yours, you're mine. You know, hey, take what I am, who I am, what I have, and let's do life together. So, you must be born again. Second one is wake up and pray. I want you to develop this habit in your life. I was pretty good at it, and I got bad at it. And now I'm trying to get good at it again. Um, so, if you say I've tried stuff and I get out of the habit, join the club, you know. So, when I say wake up and pray, I don't mean that you have to go to prayer for a half hour, an hour, or two hours, or 15 minutes even. Maybe you wake up and pray like this. Lord Jesus, good morning. I'm yours, you're mine. I hope my life glorifies you today. Help me, Holy Spirit. That may be, now you may have more of a prayer later in the day. That's a good way to wake up and pray. Maybe you want to roll out. I was in a habit for a little while, rolling out and just hitting my knees, and, and that's a good habit. These things don't earn you anything. It's just a good habit because I'm getting my mind set right back 
on true north. I want to wake up every morning and get back. I'm a believer. That's the primary focus of my life. That's who I am and what I am. You know, not this. People say, are you a pastor? That's something I do. But what I really am is a, is a follower of Jesus. That's who I am. So whether you're a plumber or a homemaker, whatever you are, uh, make sure Jesus is the focus of your life. So wake up and pray. The third thing is develop spiritual habits, often called spiritual disciplines, but they're just habits. Uh, there's things like, like what you're doing now, being in the house of God, going to church. Jesus went to church. We discovered that when we looked at last week. It says on, this, on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the church, which was his custom. That was his habit. He was a churchgoer. Now you can say, well, I just can't find a church I like. Well, Jesus probably didn't find a church he liked either. He's getting ready to change the entire system of the church he was in. And yet he still went to church every time. You know, well, I don't know. Wish we had more guitars. Jesus had no guitars, okay? So I just want you to get this. Any excuse you have. And by the way, I was thinking about this. Who would have a good right to take the day off from church other than Jesus? You know, you know can you imagine him praying to the Father? I have to go to church today? I mean, I created all this stuff, you know. Yes, you have to go to church. So he went to church. It was his joy, it was his habit to be in the house of the Lord. And even when he was a little kid, he said, I thought, you know, I'd be at the house of the Lord, being about my father's business. He had a heart to be in the house of God. So being in church, prayer, Bible time, just forgiveness. Forgiveness is a wonderful spiritual habit. You know, kindness. There's just all kinds of things we can just develop habits in our life. There are some of you that you have just developed a habit. You may have a spiritual gifting towards it, but you've also developed a habit towards it. Um, one thing, I, I always think of this when I think of spiritual habits and particular gifts that we have, is uh, Pat Dawson, uh, our Saint Pat Dawson. She, is, uh, she has a gift of hospitality. And, and she's practiced all of her life. And if you go over to her house, you will get hospitalized. No, that's not it. You will get hospitality. You will get hospitality. I've been over there a few times for small groups. It's like, oh, I think the sun's in their eyes. So she gets up and adjusts the blinds and makes sure it's not in there. How's your tea doing? Well, now you mentioned I could use a little more. Okay, well, I'll go get that tea. She's, she's like on it. She has that gift. And you'll develop a habit. And you develop a habit of kindness, and you'll find out kindness just wants to come out all the time because it's a habit. See, some of you do bad things because you've you got a habit of it. I'm serious about that. Um, Maybe something happens and a cuss word comes out. Why did the cuss word come out? Because you got a habit of cussing. So you need to stop that habit. Um, I'm serious about this. Darling and I don't cuss. Why? We don't have a habit of that. You know, we yell other words at each other, but we don't cuss at each other. Uh, so we got, we got habits. And if you find yourself, you get angry just like that, that's because you develop a habit of getting angry like that. At least little things. And you got to, I'm telling you, we're just all growing. And you may feel like, boy, he didn't pick mine today. Okay, well, you got one, so, and I do too. And the Holy Spirit just works with that. We develop new habits. And you find out that, boy, the least little thing used to, I used to fly off the handle. Yeah, it just rolls off my back now. How? Because I developed a spiritual habit of being kind, of being gentle, and it changed my life. And plus the people around you, I'm serious about this, they'll be thankful for that because if you're one of those people that get angry real fast and fly off the handle, you make everyone uncomfortable around you. I just want you to know that. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. So just relax and uh, develop some good spiritual habits. The fourth thing is choose God's way of living. Choose God's way of living. Say no to sin and yes to God. Sometimes we get so... Um, if you're struggling with um, unforgiveness, if you're struggling with um, uh, being 
angst up about things or excited about things, a lot of that goes right back to your thought life. Because just like I mentioned earlier, somebody's snarky at you at work, and you have spent two weeks thinking about that. And you've told 20 people. And you, you just got this unforgiveness, and this thing just irks you. And you, you keep getting stirred up. You're stirring yourself up by way of reminder. Peter said, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder on something good. You're stirring yourself up by way of reminder on something bad. And so you get up in the morning, and you get started, and you're having about your day, and you oh, I can't believe she said that to me. I remember now. And then you start talking about it. And then you tell your spouse, I can't believe. Remember, I remember clearly, this is like the 35th time you've told me about it, and you're stirring yourself up by way of reminder. And so you have to say, hold it. I have to start submitting my thought life to the Lordship of Jesus. I start having to practice things like praying for them and loving them and being kind to them. And I'll say this too. Sometimes things are just... Now, now you know there's the grump that always wants to amp you up, but there's sometimes things are just said accidentally. You know, I've said things where I walk away and say, that kind of sounded jerky. You know, I didn't mean for it to, but just kind of, it was, it was something I said, and I thought, without them knowing me well, or without me giving an explanation, they'd think, jerk. You know, I was like, didn't mean that. Uh, so, let's just consider the best. They were snarky. Maybe they didn't mean it that way. Then the devil will whisper, oh, yes, they did. Well, maybe they're having a tough day. Well, maybe they are, but that's no excuse. You know, it's, it's funny how that works. Just let it go. Walk in peace. Your peace is more valuable than your silly little revenge you're going to get. Like, what are you going to do? You know, give them a stale donut or something? I don't know what your revenge pattern is, so just let it go. And we're saying yes to how God says to live and no to our flesh. And, man, that's painful. Because you, your flesh and my flesh wants to do what it wants, when it wants, how we want. And for us to say no you're going to be kind. No, you're going to pray for them. No, you're going to bless them. It, it's, it's hard. But one last thing that we're going to pray. You, you start a cycle, and cycles are good things. Because here, here I'll show it to you, my magic wand here. Um, listen to how God's kingdom works. God's kingdom says you'll reap what you sow. And so the person is snarky. They have sown snarkiness rudeness. The natural principle is that's what they should receive back. I'm very serious about this. They've been rude. The divine principle is you be rude back. But God has a higher principle. Because I want sowing and reaping to work for me. So if they're rude to me and I sow rudeness, then it starts a pattern of rudeness. I start getting a harvest of rudeness. I don't want a harvest of rudeness. So God actually gives us this New Testament principle. He says, bless I say, and curse not, for you were designed to inherit a blessing. So I go, okay, well, i got to get this system working for me then. They were jerky. They were mean. I'm going to reply with kindness because I'm going to set a cycle that blesses me, not a cycle that curses me. And so it's not just, hey, I just want to be mean to you, make you be nice to people who are jerks. No, he wants you to live a blessed life. And so you want to be very aware of what am I sowing? They sowed meanness, I returned meanness. And so then you just get this whole meanness thing going. They sowed meanness, I returned kindness and prayer, and you break the cycle. And so kindness comes your way. Now I'll say this, it may not come from that person, but kindness will end up coming your way. So choose God's way of living because it's a healthy, wonderful way to live. 
Now, let's remember this. We're to guard our hearts in this new year, for out of it flows the issues of life. Out, everything we do flows from our spirit. So, Father...